Grace, peace, and mercy be upon you on this 18th Sunday after Pentecost, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I had a hard time this week deciding uh, whether or not I should continue preaching from James or this gospel reading from Mark. But I chose the reading from Mark because it includes some of the most difficult verses in the entire book of Mark. I don't know about you, that reading from James was also uh, bears considerable uh, study as well, because there's just so much going on. You're like, what is he, what is the, you know, every sentence brings more questions than it does answers. Nevertheless, this uh, reading in Mark, as difficult as it is, can be enlightening as well. So, which of the verses in this gospel reading do you think are the most difficult. Is it, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward? That's a hard one, but it's not the most difficult. Neither is, if your hand causes you to stumble, chop it off. No, among the toughest of verses in Mark are these words. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you salt it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace among one another. Just what does Jesus mean when he talks about salt and salting? Well, let's find out as we work through this whole reading, beginning with those other not-so-easy verses. It's the 23rd year of Emperor Tiberius' rule, and you've been following Jesus through Judea now for many months. You've watched him heal people, cast out demons, and vigorously argue with the Jewish priests and elders of Jerusalem. You're in with the Master. You've seen him walk on the lake in Galilee, calm storms, feed thousands with just a few pieces of bread. And you were in the center of all this. He chose you as one of his disciples. And even though you don't always understand everything he says or everything that's happening around you, you know you are important. So important, in fact, you argue with the other disciples as to who is the most important. Jesus has given you exclusive status in his kingdom, and everyone who is not his disciple is an outsider worthy of contempt. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, pastor, I wouldn't be like that if I were his disciple back then. I would be kind to all people and help everyone. No, you wouldn't. These 12 disciples were, were not as kind as you think. They didn't like kids. <laughs> they didn't like children, right? Because in the ancient Mediterranean world, children were of the lowest status. They hadn't earned their right to be treated as people yet. And they weren't all that, the disciples were not all that nice to people who approached Jesus, right? They were a little um, protective of him because they were in and everyone else was out. 
And you know what that's like because we have a sense of that even in the church today, right? We don't like people who are not of our church to tell us what to do, right? To tell us how to manage our property or our finances or our worship or anything like that. But let's get back to Judea. Jesus has given you exclusive rights and privileges to see, hear, and know things no one else has rights to. So it's very upsetting to you that you see some other dude over there you've never seen before in your life casting out demons and doing it in Jesus' name. That guy's not one of you. He's not one of the 12. He's not in. But Jesus tells you not to forbid this man from casting out demons because he who is not against us is on our side. We have to allow God to do his things. And it's hard sometimes to let God do his things because we want control. Jesus tells us there is to be no inside-outside distinction among those who share in Christ's kingdom. Let's be clear about this. He's not talking about, you know, those outside of the faith. It's those within the faith, those who believe in Jesus. Don't hinder them from doing the things of God. You know, as fractured as the Christian church is, especially in America, you know, we don't go over to Timberline Baptist Church or the Catholic Church or Countryside and try and stop what they're doing. It would be better if we were all unified in our beliefs and practices, but that, that's not going to happen before Jesus returns. So we Lutherans acknowledge that if they're not against us, they're on our side. I can't say that that understanding and sentiment is always mutual, but that's a subject for a different day. The way the majority of Christians these 2,000 years now have understood and applied these verses is we are important to God, right? God's children are important to Him. Jesus says, the one who is kind to you, as in giving you a cup of water, will not lose his reward. Jesus is getting us to see the one receiving the drink is precious to God. And this is so because the, a, a kindness to one of his followers is kindness done to Christ himself. You are worth so much to God that someone who cares for you is rewarded as caring for Jesus. Now, everyone wants to know, well, what's the reward? <laughs> you know, we're, we're like children, right? What's the prize? What do I win? Well, that's not the point. That, that's for God to decide. And we're missing the point if we focus on the reward. The point is this. You could have been the one who had the demon cast out of you by that man whom, to you, isn't one of us. Yet you were so important to God, he made you clean, and that man has done to you as if he had did that to Christ. And it's a win-win for all of us. Now, obviously, Jesus doesn't need demons cast out of him, but you get the point, right? A kind service to a fellow Christian is as if you were doing it for Christ, or to Him. But we got to move on, though. 
the verses we all know and love about chopping the arm off and plucking the eyeball out, or being drowned in a giant, with a giant millstone around your neck. You know, Jesus always means what He says, but we know He likes to lob these emphatic statements out there to make a point. And they seem over the top sometimes because they're meant to teach by comparison. That's how we humans learn. Jesus teaches us here the seriousness of stumbling in sin. Being bound to our old ways of trusting in ourselves more than in Him. And this turning away from Him. This is serious stuff. You know, drowning or mutilation of the body really would be better than eternal separation from God in hell fire. And Jesus may also be pushing us to consider a deeper question here. Is it really my hands, my feet, and my eyes that cause me to sin? Or is it from the heart where the sins come from? We know the answer to that, don't we? Yet this section too shows us just how much we are worth to God. Jesus talks about stumbling because He does not want you to stumble. Woe to the person who causes you to lose your faith in Christ. It really would be better if that person hadn't lived long enough to do that. Okay, but God doesn't even want you to cause you to stumble. The greater threat lies in oneself. You're worth so much to Him that Jesus will speak in the greatest extremes to warn you against apathy toward Him and falling away. He doesn't want anyone, especially yourself, to cause you to do that. To God, then, you're worth every grain of salt you have. This finally brings us to the most difficult verses in Mark. This is the most difficult part because salt can be understood in at least four different ways in Judea during the Roman Empire. Okay? Well, use number one, obviously, is it's used to season food. It can be used to preserve food that can become contaminated and putrefy. Oh, I like that word, don't you? Putrefy. Yeah. Ugh. It can be used, or it was used in the ancient world to destroy fertile land so that nothing would grow on it. And, you know, the Romans, would that, that's how they would uh, punish the, uh, some of the land that they would overtake. If there was a lot of resistance, they would, they would make the farms unusable as punishment. And salt could also be part of one's religious offering along with incense and oils and such. So, Jesus says everyone will be salted with fire. To which of the uses of salt that I just mentioned... Do you think he's referring to? Well, consider this. On the last day, fire is what's going to purge away all that is incompatible with, with God's kingdom, right? He promised not to flood the world again. He said the next time he'd, he's, he's going to make the earth new again, it's going to be with fire. So, salt in this instance is the purifying type of salt that purges whatever is putrid about us. So being salted with fire is a good thing for us. 
But Jesus goes on to talk about more salt. And he doesn't give you an indicator that he's switching the context here. He just goes on. Salt is good, but if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you salt it? Hard to figure. It's hard to figure out because this time Jesus isn't talking about the salt of fire on the last day because that salt can't lose its saltiness. This salt is different. This salt is you and me. Jesus says, you are good because you are in him. You are the ones who work against evil in the world. Like that guy who was casting out demons. But what a stern warning here. You're only good in Christ. So without him, nothing can make you good. Well, we Lutherans know this already. Our good works aren't going to make us good. They're good for our neighbor. But they don't make us good and right with God. So have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Since we, are, since we are in Christ, we're invited into fellowship with all others who share the faith. And Jesus doesn't seem to be telling us to go out and get salt that leads to this sweet fellowship. He's saying we have it, and we have it now, because we are in Him. And that's good news, because you don't have to go out and try and get this salt. We have the salt which leads to fellowship since we are in Christ who came to us, died and rose for us and brought us to be baptized in Him and His death and resurrection so that we could be in Him. You can't get any closer to God than in Jesus. So, what do we have? With Jesus talking about salt and this entire passage from Mark and the bigger picture of our life as people who are in Christ, well, you have this. You are worth so much to God, He sees you or He sees those who cares for you as caring for Himself. You are worth so much to God that He doesn't want anyone, anything, including yourself, to cause you to stumble away from Him. You are worth so much to God that He deems you worthy of every grain of salt you have. In Jesus Christ, you are worth your salt. And in His name, Amen.